0: Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast from Reverb Life Fellowship Church in Copenhagen, New York. Here is our message for today. If you'd like to see its entire video or other church content, check out our YouTube channel. Look us up on Facebook or visit our website at www.riveroflifechurch.org. But, um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue on in this series we've been going through for this year, um, that I titled what's on your mind. And, uh, those of you who, who remember, um, I asked you to submit questions at the beginning of the year that we would kind of work through as the year went on. And this is one of those questions and it was, does God ever change his mind? Um, so I got a, a question for this week and then. Um, over the next couple of weeks, you got some, got some holidays. The ladies are going to be gone, uh, the, uh, the next week and the week after that. Of course, we got Mother's Day. But following that, I'm going to diverge from the series a little bit, um, and just deal with, uh, a topic that I've been encouraged to speak on, um, particularly community. Community. The purpose of the Christian community. So we're going to talk about that for a few weeks and kind of what we can be doing, uh, to further this. Cause it's important as we, uh, walk through this life, this craziness that we call, you know, the Christian life in the United States, that we focus on what we should be doing and more to the point, refocus, especially after the last two years. Um, but today, uh, this question, does God ever change his mind? When I first saw the question, I was like, I don't know if I can actually make this into a whole message because it's a pretty, should be a pretty simple question to answer, right? Does God ever change his mind? No. No. In order for God to change his mind, in, in our little pea brain thinking, sometimes you think if we change our mind, it means we've changed our thinking, or we've decided that what was okay is now not okay, or something that was not okay is now okay, that somehow we have learned and grown past our current level of understanding, and that doesn't fit with God, does it? Uh, if, God, if anything ever occurs to God, then he's not God. If God ever reads through something as, wow, I never actually, I never actually saw that, um, then he can't be God because he made it all. He's the creator. Have you ever accidentally created something? No. (laughs) Okay? It's not the way that works. You made it. That's the way it happens. But this idea of whether or not God changes his mind, sometimes, depending on how you look at it, it's not that easy of a question to answer. Because there are a lot of places through Scripture where God does say, he changed his mind. And that can be very confusing. So let me give you, a, um, give you an example. In Amos chapter 7, if you look at the NASB, it says, Then God, uh, then, then, I, uh, then I said, Lord God, please stop. How can Jacob stand, for he is small? I, I, I understand this completely. Uh, the Lord changed his mind about this. This too shall not be, said the Lord God. So this translation says the Lord changed his mind. But now... This particular version is actually one of the rare ones that actually says, change their mind. Most translations say it like this, then the Lord relented from his plan. (coughs) That changes things, doesn't it? So God didn't change his thinking. (coughs) He just changed the plan. And that's a big difference. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, COVID. It's fine. Um, sorry, I'm sorry, that's too soon, is it, is it too, soon too soon for those jokes? Sorry. So the idea that this question should be easy to answer is actually not. If you think about what's going on, when God says he's going to do one thing, but then he does something different, you can always guarantee that it falls into a, a very specific category. What he said he was going to do was a judgment. And what he chooses to do is grace. Every time through scripture, that's what happens. God says, I will. I've had enough of you. So I'm going to. And then someone pleads to God. And then God relents, or what some people would consider changes his mind. Okay, I won't. Because you, now listen carefully, because you sought my grace, I will give it. That's a that's a big deal. Now, you think about this. There's a lot of reasons why people might change their mind. People might change their mind because they realize they're making a mistake. You think about this. I changed my mind about spending that money without telling my wife because I'll come up missing. See, changed your mind. Sometimes we don't change our mind and then we're forced into things like, no, honey, I've always had that golf club. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. If you ever call me, did he ever have this call? Yeah, he's had this for years. <laughs> I'm expecting reciprocation. I'm just, just pointing that one out. But keep it just between us. <laughs> Some people change their mind because they choose to respond, something, to respond to something in a different way. So you get pulled over for speeding. The officer comes to the car, and he chooses not to give you a ticket. Right? made a choice to not give you a ticket. But that power was in the hand of the officer, wasn't it? It wasn't in your hand. And sometimes we respond because of the plea of another. Amos pleaded with God for mercy towards his people, and so the Lord relented. He changed his mind about the judgment he was going to bring. So the idea of changing someone's mind almost always revolves around us learning something or changing what we believe about something. Typically, when we think about changing our mind, we're either gonna learn something new, or we're gonna we're gonna um uh, uh change how we believe about something. And you see this happening a lot. Now God is all-knowing. So learning something new doesn't apply to him. And God's word is supposed to be timeless, inerrant, and unchanging, which means his view on something will never change god's thinking does not evolve ever if they, if he believes something was good before it will always be good if god believes something was bad before or declared something bad before that is never going to change ever he says i am the lord i do not change But God will change how He chooses to respond to our actions. And it is always in the terms of grace over judgment. I think the best way to understand this is that officer and the ticket analogy. If you think about the officer pulls you over, and I love the first question that everyone gets asked by anyone who gets pulled over. What's that first question? Do you know why I pulled you over? And let me translate that question. Are you going to lie to me? (laughs) Are you a liar or are you honest? Do you know why I pulled you over? No, officer. Honestly, I was on my phone. I didn't even see you. (laughs) (laughs) So you talk to the officer. He decides not to give you a ticket. Let me ask you something. Was your speeding suddenly okay? Okay. Was your speeding that was previously illegal? Is it now legal? No. The good or bad of your action did not change. What changed was the grace given to you or the mercy given to you. And hopefully that mercy prompts you to make better choices. That's the idea, that you'd not be a bonehead the next time you take off. You know, like when the officer decides to leave... Healing out and shooting down the road at 110 miles an hour. Not a great idea. So when we talk about change, we talk about a God that doesn't change. Take a look at these verses. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord. I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. His word is true, but his mercy is also eternal. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 89, your eternal word, O oh Lord, stands firm in heaven. Eternal. 1 Peter 1, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That word is the good news that was preached to you. It should be pretty clear that God's standards do not change. So in one aspect, God does not change his mind. But in other aspects, you can change the mind of God. I know that can sound very, very confusing. But I want you to think about something. Because God's mind never changes on his standards, that means that there is only one standard for right and wrong. If you think about a standard, a standard is the thing that rises above all other things that things are judged against, and there is only one universal standard by which all actions, all thoughts, all anything is judged, and that's the word of God. The only standard by which we are judged in every area of life, thought, family, marriage, career, pick, anything, all of it is judged by this one universal standard, and this bothers people. Especially today and especially within the church. And I don't understand why this bothers so many people in the church. But you see this happening all over the place in progressive Christianity. In some of the preaching that we've actually talked about that's being done locally. That we've actually talked about here. People are taking the word of God, changing it up. And trying to make it more palatable to the modern sensibilities. What a bunch of mealy mouthed nonsense. It's not going to change. No matter how much we want it to. It may bother people, but here's a reality. All roads do not lead to heaven. There are many ways to heaven. No, there's not. There's one. Pastor, are you one of those Christians that's saying that of all of the religions on the planet, of all the people on the planet, of everything going on, if people don't believe that Jesus is their Lord. They're not going to heaven. No, I didn't say it. I read it from the book. I just believe it. Because I have no reason to believe why God, that God would lie to me. If this is the road map to heaven, why would I go off? This gives me... This is GPS directions, not redneck directions. And you all know what I'm talking about. I actually heard someone giving directions. You're going to go down that road and you're going to turn left at where that old barn used to be. Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> The guy's already lost. He's not from around here. He doesn't know know the Smith Farm or whatever, what the color of the barn is. Yeah, remember, it used to be red, but now it's kind of brown, leaning towards, and they finally tore it down like four years ago when it caught on fire. (laughs) You've given directions to people like that, haven't you? Yes, you have. (laughs) Or worse, keep driving. You're going to see a tractor that got stuck this morning. Oh, they might have pulled it out, but it's probably still there. Really? Really? these are clear directions. Here's another hard truth. Not everyone in your life, not everyone in your family, not everyone around you is going to go to heaven. And contrary to what some people preach, you don't hear the gospel after you die. You're simply aware of it and that you didn't accept it. There's no second chance after you take your last breath. You stand before God in judgment. If you if you could get saved after you died, then what did Jesus come for? He came for nothing. See, views like that, like all roads lead to heaven, it's okay, God's... God, Thinking has changed on this subject. We're smarter today than we used to be. These, this is what happens when flawed human reasoning is placed on a higher level than the Word of God. When we take our understandings, our sensibility, our ideas of morality, and we place them above the Word of God because the Word of God is inconvenience for my current relational status with my family. I was fine with the Word of God until my friend came out of the closet. I was fine with the word of God until one of my kids decided they were trans. I was fine with God until I was poor enough where I needed to steal. I was fine with God until... Do you see what happens? We're fine with God as long as we think we're on the good side. And then all of a sudden we're confronted by a truth of God, so we change it. We start arguing things like, well, in the Greek that word could mean... Well, yeah, but all recorded history in the church tells you that it never meant that. Why does suddenly it mean that today? Because we want it to? I got news for you. God doesn't care how we want things to be today. This is nothing short of arrogance towards God and his word. We believe. We are more powerful. We are more knowing. We are more capable than the Holy Spirit who authored the scriptures. What a claim. That's pretty intense. The truth is, not only does the word of God mean what it says, it will never mean anything other than that. This is why one of the things you hear me say very, very often is it doesn't, when you read the Bible, the first thing you have to figure out is what it it meant to the people it was originally written to because it can never mean to us what it could never have meant to the original recipients. That's the job of a Christian, to study God's word in the context in which it was given And then apply that context to our life. And it's not easy. But there is only one way. Check this out. John 14 verses 1 through 6 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Normally we only focus on verse 6. But the rest of the section gives you so much more understanding on what Jesus is talking about. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come to get you so that you, will be always, uh, so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, listen to this. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't. Lord Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. Now, listen. So how can I know the way? If I don't know where you're going, how can I know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And in case that wasn't clear enough, no one can come to the Father except through me. Buddhism is not a gateway to heaven. Hinduism is not a gateway to heaven. The Muslim faith not going to get you to heaven. And just because you've been Baptist your whole life does not mean that you know Jesus. Just because you've been Catholic your whole life doesn't mean you know Jesus. Just because you've been Pentecostal your whole life does not mean you know Jesus. It's him, not your denomination, not your belief system. It's him. We pursue him, period. This can be really hard for us to get a hold of and it's uncomfortable with our modern sensibilities because why can't we all just get along? You know, why can't, why can't we just be kind? You know, I've, I've, of course Jesus is going to love me. I've never hurt anybody. Now, yesterday I saved a little tiny baby bunny that was about this big from my dog's mouth. I don't know what was going through that bunny's mind when he jumped in there. But from the way it was squealing, he was trying to kill my dog. (laughs) So I got a hold of that bunny, and I saved that little bunny's life. And I went over to the fence, and I was like, here you go, bunny. That is not getting me into heaven. All it did was make my dogs not talk to me for the rest of the day. (laughs) That's all it did. Archie's looking at me like, are you kidding? You know how long it took me to find that thing? It jumped fast, even for something little. I had to bat it around for like 10 minutes before I finally decided to eat it. Daddy's so dumb. At least that's what I'm thinking he's thinking. That was my best toy ever. Things like that don't get you into heaven. You may be the most wonderful person on the planet, You may give, you may attend, you may even read the Bible. You know who else reads the Bible? Atheists. I don't know if you realize this, but Satan knows the Bible inside and out. It doesn't mean that you're living it. And that's the key. That's the key. See, the standards of God don't change. He may choose to extend us grace when we fall, But that's his choice. Or he may let you reap the consequences of your own actions. That's your choice. God, I don't know why you let that officer get me. You know I don't have the money for the ticket. And God's saying, I know, but I really think you should slow down. Larry Ledfoot, what are you doing? God's trying to teach you something. So sometimes he puts his hands on us of protection and provision. Other times, he's like, you know what? You so don't listen to me. Go ahead. Do it yourself. I'll watch because this is going to be hilarious. Now, our part of this is very simple. We're to learn, understand, and live the standards and the will of God as outlined in the scriptures. That's our only job. That's it. We overcomplicate things so much. All we've got to do is learn what this book says and then live it out. But how do you do it in a God-honoring way? So let's talk about how we might apply this this, this little annoying truth. And if that truth was annoying, it's about to get way more annoying. Think about the world that we live in and how many views about truth there are. Have you ever heard about fluid truth? It's your truth, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's my truth. Really? Your truth versus my... Why isn't it just true? Gravity pulls you towards the ground. That might be your truth. But as I'm standing on top of this 40-foot barn, I'm going to prove that I have my truth. It's okay. Can I videotape this for your insurance company so they don't pay it out because you're an idiot? Sometimes there's just Truth one of the things you see happening today manifesting in our world and in our society and within many, many, many churches is fluid truth. Churches will make statements like their understanding on something has grown. I don't think I need to go into a whole lot of detail. We all know what we're talking about. Still got to pay attention to the algorithms a little bit. But we're talking about ungodly sexual lifestyles. It will never be welcomed into the arms of God. Never. His standard on that will never change. Some people will get mad at me for saying it, but guess what? I'm reading it. I didn't do this for myself. But churches say their understanding on this has grown. When T.D. Jakes was asked why his stance on homosexuality has changed from a straight-up biblical stance to a, we'll just say not, he said his understanding has grown and is continuing to grow it shouldn't be that difficult it shouldn't be that difficult and this is someone who influences millions millions of people and he's going to have to stand before god and give an account for that and for people like this i only have one thing for him james 3 1 dear brothers and sisters not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly I get told this a lot. Pastor, you seem to be very black and white, not a lot of gray area there. I think you should have more grace in your teaching. How, how do you do that? I know God's standards are here, but what I really want to tell you is what I think about the subject. And God is thinking, "I don't care what you think on the subject, little man. Because my thoughts on the subject are irrelevant. I am not here to bring the word of George. If I was, we'd already be done today. There's not a whole lot up there that's original. You hear terms like subjective moral reasoning. This is something that's not only being taught in colleges, this is being taught in the, uh, uh, the public school system all the way down to kindergarten, all the way down to kindergarten, subjective moral reasoning. Well, that might be okay for your mommy and daddy, but it's different for their mommy and daddy. No, it's not. It's not. Let me take a quick sidestep and just, this has nothing to do with the message. But a few weeks ago, we talked about Disney, and I really encouraged you guys to drop your Disney account. And here's basically why. Disney has come out extraordinarily publicly with their, how, and this is their CEO, their not so secret gay agenda. Their, their goal is to, in their words, queer the world. And they're being ridiculed right now because their stock is down like 35% or something like that. I mean, they're performing, they're the lowest performing stock on the Dow over the last 12 months. They are hemorrhaging money, which I think is fantastic. But here's what they're doing. They're trying to get into 15 countries where homosexuality is illegal, punishable by jail times and death. And people are saying, double standard, double standard, double standard. Why don't you to stop and think about this for a second? No, it's not. Hitler knew this 70, 60, 70 years ago. He who owns the youth owns the future. This is why they're after your kids. This is why they're changing the programs. This is why they're trying to get this stuff into you, into kindergarten and below because they know they've already lost you. But if they can get the kids to adopt their moral reasoning, it will translate to the rest of their lives. Children, before they get to 10 years old, their mental pathways cement the idea of what is right and what is wrong, what is moral, what is immoral. That is a a that is a, a, a fact of the industry. Before a kid is 10 years old, if you can convince them what is right, wrong, moral, and immoral, it will be with them for the rest of their life. That's why they're going for the kids. Disney isn't doing this to try to make money. They're doing this to push their agenda. And let me ask you something. This is my personal view. An organization dedicated to sexualizing children could only be considered what? Corporate pedophilia. I don't care what they produce. It'll never be worth the future of your children. That's black and white. That's God versus man. Because God's choice, uh, uh, decision-makings uh, on this subject have never changed. Okay, back to here. Bing, I'm happy again. <laughs> So, obviously, when we talk about God's God's standards and applying those standards, we talk about things like homosexuality, gender, uh, 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 the gender conversations. And what a lot of us will do is we will stand on the righteousness of God's word in these areas. You're absolutely right. We shouldn't steal. This is wrong before God. This is never going to be acceptable before God. These are rock-hard standards, and we basically move towards people in those sins in a term of judgment. But let me show you something about the application of God's unchanging standards. Remember, to the measure in which you judge another, that measure will be used to judge you, okay? So let's look at a couple of things because if God's standards is absolute for everyone's life, let me ask you a question. Do we live the same way or do we make exceptions that are no different from everybody else's for ourselves. Let's examine this for a minute. So it'll be totally non confrontational, I promise. <laughs> Let's take an easy one. Obeying governing authorities uh, governing authorities. Romans 13, one through seven. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. <laughs> For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Want to know why our president is in office? Because God put him there. God put, puts people in positions of authority to either bless a nation or judge it. You do the math on that one. So anyone who rebels against, the, uh, uh, against authority is, re- listen, is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be Punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants. You notice he doesn't delineate Democrat or Republican there? Because obviously he's talking about independence. Um, they're sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Read on, folks. Pay your taxes. No! For these same reasons, for the government, workers need to be paid. Probably not as much as they're getting, but that's another, that's another conversation. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in the... (laughs) How many people do you know cheat on their taxes? I'm sorry, utilize creative accounting for the purpose of the federal tax system. Here's what we say. They take enough already. They take enough already. Um, not your decision. And we don't live and operate by your standards, do we? If God's standards are eternal and universal for everyone, God's word says, shut up, pay your taxes. And one, He don't care. Sometimes you want to know why the blessing of God isn't as obvious in your life as you think it should be. It's because you are in unconscious rebellion. Because if the word of God is universal and clear and standard for all, now granted, there's a tax code for a reason, utilize it, but do it legally. When I first became a minister, I went to a, an accountant in Watertown and we we ended up first year, we really screwed up. We were like five grand, not kidding. I was basically I was not happy. I was not not happy. And she goes, "So what do you want to do?" I said, "I need to figure out how to, you know, obviously I didn't have things worked correctly, so we're going to going to going to figure this out." She goes, "Okay, so we'll we'll set up some sort of payment." I said, "Yeah." And then we'll we'll we'll, you know, do this. Uh so here's how the income is categorized and I you know, we gave her all the information and she just sat back and she she giggled. And I'm going to tell you what she said, and I'm going to leave it at that. Said, "You don't know how many ministers I do taxes for in Watertown." Samantha was with. Were, were you with me? Yeah. Said, "You are the only one who is not." We'll say being creative with the way they hide their income. This is an unbeliever who is seeing pastor after pastor after pastor cheating on their taxes. What kind of witness is that? This is why the word of God says, pay your taxes. Because the only thing that ends up getting hurt is him. How about this one? The Christian household. Ladies, you're going to love this one. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives... This means submit to your husband as to the Lord. Wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body and the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in anything that's not totally disagreeable. Nope, everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. How many homes do you know, and maybe you're even in one of them, and I'm not going to guess, where the wife is the spiritual head of the home? The wife's the spiritual head of the home because the husband has handed over his God-given responsibility before the Lord. Let me explain to you what this looks like. If the wife doesn't push... You don't come to church. The husband comes to church to pacify the wife. See what happens? One of you is leading the family to God. The other one isn't. When faith and God is the leading point of your decision making, you know you're the spiritual head of the household. But let me... Let me throw something out there. It is very interesting to me how testosteroningly absent the church is in the fall. Here's what happens. But, Pastor, I didn't expect to get a deer that morning. Let me ask you something. Many of you go hunting with the intent to not get a deer. I'm gonna go out in the out in the woods, pour deer urine on myself to not shoot something. I'm going to take my $50,000 truck, my $2,000 rifle with a $700 scope on it, and I'm going to climb up in this tree with my $500 tree stand in my $1,000 get-up to shoot my, I don't know, $150 bullet at this point. And, 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 you know, last thing I want to do is waste a bullet, so I'm not going to shoot at anything. I just really like being there smelling like urine. You went with the intent to get a deer, knowing full well that if you do, you're not coming to church. let me ask you something. Is the price of meat Well, actually that's not a good it's not a good good reason anymore. Is it really that high? <laughs> okay, you can hunt, but I get a cut. How about that one? Does that work out? No, no think about this. There are I have, met, I have talked to people so many times where the family didn't show up to church because dad got a deer that morning. Please think about that for a second. And how disrespecting to the purpose of your family, your God given purpose to your family, that is. There are six other days in that week, there are other times. And it can't be that important to miss fulfilling your God-given role to your family, to where you capitulate the role as the head of the household to your wife, who may do a fantastic job, by the way, but it will never be her role. Never. It will never be her role. And it's wrong to do it. We use excuses like, well, I have to work a lot. And she's home more. Yeah, because that's not happened through all of recorded history. Your first commitment is to your home, not your job. Can I say that out loud? Your first commitment is to your home, not your job. I know too many dads who are trying to figure out how their kids grew up so fast. That's because over the last 20 years, total time, you spent five days with them. You know, the average male in the United States, the average husband and father in the United States spends less than, less than five uninterrupted minutes with their children, not per child, their children all together per day. Less than five minutes. God says that you're supposed to be the spiritual head of the household. Are we as committed to that as we are as telling homosexuals that they're sinning before the Lord? Because God doesn't change his mind, does he? Here's something that I wrote down. I'm just going to read it. It says, the number of fields you plow, the cows you milk, the shifts you work, the meals you cook, or the trucks you drive will never impress God. He will never say to you, well done, good and faithful employee. It will never come out of his mouth. It's well done, good and faithful servant. And a servant is someone who serves into the ways of God. Now, here's the reality. We all have seasons, and we're, we're, we're moving into, into, into planting season. There's going to be a lot of people working a lot of hours. That's not what I'm talking about. There are always going to be seasons where you've got to put in more. But when that season lasts 20 years, it's not a season. It's a lifestyle. Change the lifestyle. Now, at the same time, on the other side, you have wives, and I've heard this 100 times, that show, show no respect to their husband because why would I listen to that idiot? i got to point something out, ladies. If that's ever come out of your mouth, why would I listen to that idiot? You married him. And you were excited to do it. I'm marrying a moron. I'm marrying a moron. (laughs) To quote a great man, who's more foolish? (laughs) The fool or the fool who follows him? How about this one? Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. H- hate. Hate. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline. This does not say beat your kids. By the way, there was a church that Samantha's parents used to go to at one point in time, and they provided her provided them with a, 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 a stick. And it said, "What does it, it say? The rod of discipline, the rod of correction." Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Did anyone here grow up in in, in a school where the principal had that paddle with the holes drilled in it? Yeah, and it made that sound just before impact, you know? You don't ever really knew what sound it made when it hit you because you couldn't tell from the, you remember when grandma and grandpa would send you out and tell you to pick your switch? And like a moron, you pick the thinnest one possible. Because you think it's going to hurt less? No, it just leaves a better mark. (laughs) But you know what? The people who went through that, they're the adults who have discipline. They're the adults who have standards. How many of you know, obviously, other people who simply refuse to discipline their little angels, their perfect little cherubs who would never do anything wrong? It is obvious that that your kid failed a math test because of the incompetent teacher. Not because you don't make them do their homework because they're on their computer gaming all night long. Obviously, that child who who accused your child of being a bully, that child is the bully. Because your little, special, wonderful little angel would never do something like that. Okay, if you have that view, it is clear to me, you don't volunteer in kids' church. And you should. It will help you. How about this one? And this will be the last thing. Direct your children onto the path, onto the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. How many of you are actively involved in the training of your child? Or are you leaving it up to the government school system and then surprised when your kid comes home gender confused? Because you never bothered to show up at a single PTA meeting. You've never gone to a single school board meeting. You've never actually looked at your child's textbooks. You have no idea what their homework is. You have no clue what's going on in their educational life because someone else is taking care of that. Let me show you something. These are two news articles. One's from recently, the small one right there uh, to your, that side. That's from 2015. It says, Baltimore parents sue the city after a student graduates high school not being able to read. Not being able to read. Now, some of you don't understand this, but in a lot of urban areas, There are children in the school who are designated non-readers. That is an educational classification. And the teachers are required to read to the child. And if it's a test, they're required to read to the child and then write down the child's answer because they're not required to write either. It's not all school districts, but this is a normal classification. They're allowed to graduate high school. They're expected to be able to exist in the world. And this is the thing that kills me. The parents are suing the school. Now, obviously, this is a failure of the education system, but please help me understand who's responsible for this. The parent. Yes, this is a problem with the school system, but if you don't think the school system has a problem, you're clearly not paying attention. But at the end of the day, how does your kid get to be 18 years old and you not know they can't read? Have you never actually sat down and worked with them at all? Obviously not. And the next one says, too many children in California can't read. It's a class action lawsuit. Because California was pumping out illiterate kids from their schools. So much for standardized testing. Are we really aware of the material that your kids are being subject to? Now, want you think about this. Husbands being the head of the household. Wives being submitted to their, uh, to their husbands. Uh, disciplining your child. Um, uh, raising your child up in the ways of the Lord. Are we as committed to the unchanging standard of God in those areas... As we are in areas of homosexuality, transgenderism, theft, bad language, are we as committed to how we are living out those unchanging standards of God as we are enforcing the unchanging standards of God on other people? First, take the tree out of your eye so you can take the speck out of somebody else's. See, when you ask the question, does God ever change his mind? Be careful, because that's a loaded question. Because the answer is no. But he will show grace. So let me ask you something. If the standards of God never change, but the application of grace and judgment does, What do you think that says for how we should model our Christian life? Our standards should never change. But the application of grace over judgment must. So when you stand up on our soapboxes and those people are obviously going to hell. Well, so are those who cast undue judgment. So be careful. God says, grace, mercy. You say, blessed are the merciful, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. They will be shown mercy. Um, As we walk through our life, as we expand our faith, as we witness to people that are out there, Here's something that you need to, need to do. When people say, does your, te- your church teach against the homosexual lifestyle? See how people phrase that question? Here's how I typically answer it. No. Our, te- our church teaches the standards of God. You see, I answered it. My standard did not change but i'm offering mercy. See, and the standards of God which we teach offers mercy to those caught in sin. See the difference? No, we're not preaching against, we're preaching for. We're not living against, we're living for. You guys seem to be really against this, no we're not. We're for. We're for the mercy of God. We're for the standards of God. We're for the timeless, unchanging, inerrant word of God, which speaks out against this type of lifestyle. It brings judgment on certain decisions that we make, but it also brings mercy. It also brings forgiveness. It also brings grace. So we're for all of it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We're glad you could be here. If you'd like to hear or watch this entire service, watch it live on Facebook, YouTube, or visit our website at www.reverblifechurch.org. We hope you have a great week.